0: Tings and welcome to the pod. My name is Mark West. Andy Donaldson is a world record holding ocean swimmer. In 2022-23, he is becoming the first to swim the Ocean Seven in a one year stretch and is making a pretty good fist of it, having already swum the English Channel in a British record time, the North Channel, only four minutes off the record, the Cook Strait, in World Record Time and the Molokai Channel in Hawaii. At the time of recording, he was setting off to swim the Strait of Gibraltar. And by the time I published, he had broken the British record. He is also raising money for Black Dog Institute. I started by asking Andy if he had always been an ocean swimmer.
1: I've swum from, from a young age. Um, obviously, as you might be able to tell from my accent, I'm, I'm not from here in Australia. I, I, I grew up in Scotland. Uh, I was a, I was a pool swimmer. Uh, not many of us at the time were out there swimming in the sea there because, you know, you, you had to be a bit mad to do that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I was a competitive pool swimmer um, for, for most of my life. Uh, I came over here to Australia about ten years ago to to try further that, and um, after failing to to reach one of my lifelong goals to to represent my country at the Commonwealth Games, uh, we had the perfect opportunity, you know, with a home games in Glasgow in 2014. Uh, unfortunately, I, I bust my shoulder before the qualification um, event there and 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 missed the cup, which was. Yeah, a devastating thing, but one of the good things that came out of it was I, I wanted a fresh challenge and got into open water swimming. So, and you know, out of the adversities came this new, fresh path that I've gone down.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. There can't be too many Scottish open water swimmers, are
1: there? <laughs> uh, no, maybe maybe not. Um, but I, I was pleasantly surprised when when I last went there, um. To, to swim the North Channel, I, I didn't realise just how much the sport's growing back at home. You know, I, I think COVID, you know, obviously it was a terrible thing, but one of the one of the things that came out of it was a lot of people, uh, when all the pools were closed, were swimming in, in, you know, the sea or in lakes or locks back home. So, yeah, it's, it's certainly, I think um there's there's, there's been this shift towards... Uh, wild swimming and open water
0: swimming. Yeah. Uh, yep. Yeah, it's 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 uh it's a real shift over there. It's a bit different over here. I mean in Perth though you've got um Rottenest Island swim, which yes. you I I was reading reading up. I mean you kind of famously came forth on like five weeks training or five days training or something <laughs> crazy.
1: <laughs> yeah that that was a bit of a wild story. So um yeah I, I actually quit swimming in, in twenty sixteen um i just got to a stage where um i i didn't think there were really any opportunities to to make national teams or race internationally for open water um especially for gb they had some really good swimmers at the time and i wasn't an australian um i didn't have an australian passport back then uh, but i ended up um getting getting sort of pulled up to to race rocknest in 2018 um with about four weeks notice um, they were looking for some uh some people to to get involved in the champions of the channel wave they needed a few more numbers and uh, they asked a bunch of us most most people said no Uh, i stupidly said yes and (laughs) myself involved in this challenge and i was very undercooked going into it and it was a pretty painful experience but uh, ended up coming third which was which was quite That's awesome, <laughs> quite something. Um, but I think the the easterly winds probably helped. <laughs> 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 uh, that was that was you know one of those incredible years where everyone just got swept across, and the guy that won it actually broke a record, All right? Like an almost twenty year standing uh, record, and was the first person under four hours for that swim. So yeah, quite quite uh, experience. One that, um, taught me that I should never go into one of these marathon swims, um, underprepared, under-prepared yeah. <laughs> so did... oh, yeah. good lesson moving forward. So you must've kept, did you keep your swimming up
0: when you, when you sort of retired from swimming or did you, did you hate it? What, what, what was it like?
1: Uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't say it's something as strong as hate, but, um, I certainly left the sport in 2016, um, feeling a bit unfulfilled, uh, feeling like I had more to give, but um didn't really see any paths to to kind of pursue and and four years of uh, of training was something I, I didn't feel like I could met to um, at the time. and really, when you're going for goals like racing internationally, you know your heart really needs to be in it, and yeah. it wasn't at the time. So, um, I spent yeah a, a few years out the sport. I wasn't wasn't really doing that much swimming, um, but you know one of the things you know as as a swimmer who's who all their life, you, you you still have that muscle memory and, and yeah. technique. So when I did eventually get back into the water during COVID, um, it it did fortunately come back quite quickly.
0: Yeah, so it was all still there. And you used to be a 200-meter a swimmer and transitioning to 10K <laughs> and then open water. is I mean, that's a fair difference.
1: It's, it's a fair jump, yeah, a fair jump. I mean, I remember making the transition in 2014. Uh, so it was, it was it was just a few months after the Commonwealth Games and I, I'd sat with my coach and, you know, we were having the discussion, to keep going? And we, we came up with this idea to... You know pivot and and try open water and uh, there was some really good open water swimmers in the squad uh, simon hutenga who was racing for for australia heidi gann who was also racing internationally as so i was i was you know jumped into their lane and, and started doing their sets and, and um, you know the, the weekly mileage just exploded out you know oh, yeah. you, would do, you would do like a 10k straight on a wednesday morning Uh, (laughs) I I distinctly remember those sets. Um, It was was just, that was it. It was was a 10k straight, 2.5k with um, pool boy band, 2.5k with arrows, 2.5k with some other kind of variant of pool, but it always finished with the last 2.5k being band only. Yeah. And it had to be your quickest... (laughs) 2.5k. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and it was, it was, it was brutal. I mean, I, I, I still get, you know, anxiety <laughs> when getting back to these kind of <laughs> sessions. But, you know, they really, they really, you know, transformed my swimming and gave and, yeah. and me that engine and that muscle durability to, to go the distance and, and maintain you know, form for for long periods of time.
0: Yeah, did do has your body changed? Uh
1: it was. <laughs> I think my my body has always been quite lean. Um, when when people kind of, I suppose, look at me, and I'm doing these ultra marathon swims, they they probably, um, I, I suppose I, I'm probably not the typical body shape. Um, you know but I, I certainly have seen in myself a bit of change I've, I've put on weight to to tackle some of these uh, longer swims, especially the ones in in the colder areas yeah, yeah. the body a little bit of body fat helps with that heat retention uh, but yeah i I've uh, Got got a little bit of a gut nowadays. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, maybe maybe when this is all over, I'll, I'll try. I'll hopefully be able to shed that off again. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen photos
0: of you. I probably wouldn't be describing it as a gut, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so now you're doing the Ocean Seven all in in a year, which is amazing. And I can see the world record, Guinness World Record behind you on the on the frame. Where did where did this idea come from? Can you and can you tell us all about that?
1: Uh, well, I suppose it it does kind of go back to those earlier years where where I I, you know I I hadn't quite achieved what I wanted to achieve in the sport, and off the back of that and off the back of quitting swimming, um, I ended up throwing myself into into my accounting career. Uh, It had always kind of been there. Uh, Obviously, we all need some way to pay the bills, so I was working alongside. my full-time training as well uh but it had always been playing second fiddle and i uh, this would have been about 2016 I, I thought to myself you know i really need to give this some focus and attention and uh progress my career essentially so uh, i threw myself head on to head on into that uh you know and it's like like most city jobs it's, it's long hours it's, it's quite stressful uh, i took on extra studies so i'd come home from work and uh you know pick up a book on tax yeah and it, it was like that for for three years um but like you know i i enjoyed it at the time um i was progressing well but it was um you know i, I was lacking a bit of life balance and um in 2019 after a few um sort of triggering events i ended up Setting up and realizing, like, oh, well, I'm, I'm not actually sure this is the path I want to go down. Uh, and so I quit my job. And um, off the back of that, I, I went overseas to, to travel and, and try to take some stock and, and reassess what I wanted to be doing. Um, And that was, again, great, but I wasn't really uh, solving any problems. But uh, where I'm going with this in COVID, when Obviously, in twenty twenty, um, I had to come back to Perth. You know, it was it was the best place to be. Um, the alternative was to continue travelling, but um, I was in Central America at the time. But you know, it's not the best place to be. And <laughs> oh, who knows where you might have In a situation well. like that, yeah. And um, and when I came back to Perth um, during lockdowns, I, I found myself back in the water and, and swimming. And, you know, it wasn't for the purpose of, you know, hammering myself up and down for getting fit or anything, it was just pure enjoyment swimming along the coast, um, along the beaches in Perth. And it really revitalized this love of the sport that I had, you know, it was this thing that, for the previous four years, I didn't really want much to do with Um, I'd really been swimming hadn't really any intention to be back in the water but I, I saw the sport more in a different light and and it was more as a as a means for uh well-being and man, man, managing my mental health as well and so over time I I started getting quite fit again I actually I started coaching other adults and I was enjoying the sport that much that I wanted to try to get other people into it. We were trying to coach them towards, you know, achieving goals and, and pursuing these unfulfilled dreams of theirs. So, like, if someone wanted to uh, do a triathlon and couldn't swim very well, we would we would try help that person become more comfortable in the water, pursue this goal, and you know, try try get there for the purposes of you know life enrichment and growth. And along that journey, um, you know, my my friend and mentor, who had been on this journey with me, um, he kind of turned to me and said, "Look, why don't you get back into swimming?" And and you know, you're, you're telling all these people to to pursue their goals, but you're not really doing it yourself, you know. And I'm pretty sure you've still got some unfinished business in this sport. So, yeah, he was he was completely right. Um, <laughs> I'd I hadn't really realised, but. Yeah, this, this, I suppose, unfinished business was still there. So I thought, you know what, let's, I've been really enjoying my open water. Why don't I kind of pursue that? And so, you know, being here in Perth, we, we couldn't really go overseas. Uh, during lockdown, Western Australia was like a country within Australia. <laughs> we weren't really allowed to go anywhere, but we obviously have, the, the rotness channel swim on our doorstep. So I thought I'd love to give that a go and actually do it properly and, and train up properly and, and just see how it fair. Because you know I did it a couple of years ago. I, I still did really well considering the, the lack of preparation. What 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 might happen if you know I actually give this a proper proper crack back. So I, I I reunited, I, I reconnected with my old coach and a guy called Owen Carroll at Perth City Swimming Club and, and told him this idea. And he, he just said I was mad. Like, <laughs> 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 you're absolutely mad. I mean, you want to do Rotnest, you know, you've been off traveling around the world, partying, drinking, not really looking after yourself. Um, But if you're willing to commit, you know, we'll, I'll give this up. I'll give this. Um, I'll give this a go with you. And so you know, we we got our heads down. We we started to work. and um, it was don't get me wrong. It was it was bloody tough. It was there was plenty of nights where I was I couldn't sleep and I was questioning what I'd done and whether I'd bitten off more than I could chew. Uh, but you know, we we, we committed to the process and, you know, started getting fit, started getting fast. And I think it was one of these sessions. Uh, so we always train long course. It was a session one morning that, and um, it was a short rest session with one hundreds. Um, and we were doing one hundreds on a turnaround of one hundred five, And so, this session it was about four kilometers long and it was a mixture of different things but it was a really tough session and then at the end of it this this four 100s i think it was on 105 and so i'm already knackered at this point and then we have to you know finish with this and i managed to pull it off so i'm, I'm touching the wall 102s getting about two seconds rest pushing off again and, and repeating that and it was off the back of that i thought well geez i, I mean this is like the sort of stuff that I, I don't even think I could manage this at the height of my height of my career. Like this is this is incredible. Maybe, maybe we could actually win this thing. And so fast forward a few weeks, um, Saturday, the 20th of February, 2021. Um, set off the the shores of Cottesloe Beach in, in Perth. And uh yeah managed to, to come home with, um, come across that line in first place. Um, it was, it was quite a surreal thing. You know, it was a really stacked field. There was those was guys on the Australian dolphins team, uh, entered and, you know, I was by no means, uh, you know, a favorite or expected to win, but we, we managed to pull off this incredible journey back into the water. Good win too, right? So won by a decent margin. Yeah. One, one by a decent margin. It was a good sort of six or seven minutes. Uh, which is quite quite big in, in a race like that, and um, and it was it was a real eye eye opener, you know. Like it, a I I realised I'm still quite strong and, and fit. B I still had some hunger and wanted to pursue this a bit more. Uh, and C uh, I recognised that sport might be um capable of being used as a vehicle to to do some good uh, on this journey we'd we'd partnered with a local charity called the kai Erdly foundation and it's a mental health charity and you know swimming had been something that i recognized was so important to my own mental well-being that it was a cause that i really thought was quite fitting to support um especially having had a few struggles myself and uh, other members of my family having depression before as well. So, in this uh, in this journey, we'd we'd been swimming for the Eardley Foundation, and we raised we managed to raise ten thousand dollars for them, which was just truly spectacular. And off the back of all of this, I thought, you know what, I, I'm quite keen to take this to the next step. I, I'd love to do more, and that was ultimately what led to the Ocean Seven and and trying to raise money for. Um, another mental health charity, which we chose to partner with uh, the Black Dog Institute.
0: That's it's amazing. And so you've, I, I don't have the number up in front of me, but the last time I looked the, uh, the, the fundraising effort was was in the tens of thousands. It was, it was doing well.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's sitting around, uh, I think 20,000 at the moment. Uh, we just had a, a fundraising night last night and the, the Chartered Accountants um, Association here in Western Australia, and um, just ran a charity fundraiser uh, quiz night last night. Um, so I, I had to give a little speech there. I was a bit yeah, nervous, yeah. but uh, <laughs> I think it went well, and I think we managed to raise uh, around three thousand dollars, which oh, was good. Awesome. So, um, yeah, we're we're slowly kind of building it up there. Um, it's it's been given what we're trying to do with with doing all of these swims in a year. It's it's been quite tricky to, um. Where to focus our, I suppose efforts. Um, you know, there's a lot of logistical planning and preparation for the swims that I think our main fundraising efforts will probably come after the challenge is done. Uh, so I'm I'm still quite optimistic and hopeful that we can get that figure a bit higher after after it's after the swims. And and so you managed to break the world
0: record in New Zealand for the for the Cook Strait that was uh, just recently, and the aim is uh, a collective world record over the seven. Is that right?
1: Uh, that's right, Mark. So when when I set off on this journey, this ocean seven journey, um, admittedly I I was still I suppose quite quite green when it comes to. Marathon swimming in, in these channels. Oh, that's how I, I, I saw myself, you know. I'd done a couple of rotten S swims uh, and and not that much else. So um, but I wanted to try set some pretty lofty targets and um, because the idea was to try create as much attention to and hopefully transfer that to the purpose behind this, which was to raise money for mental health. Uh, personally, I like to be quite quiet with my goals and, and fly under the radar like I've done in Rottnest. Um, So it's, it's, been, <laughs> it's been a bit of a sort of, um, a con- there's been a bit of conflict, uh, internal conflict there, but, you know, there's a bigger cause. There's, there's this, this, um, uh, issue and cause that we're trying to support on and taking on those extra pressures. Cause yeah, the, are lofty goals. And I think a lot of people at the beginning thought, well, this guy's crazy, but um, I think we've, we've got off to a pretty decent start so far. Yeah, It sounds like it.
0: I mean, and it would be really amazing. I mean, in those sorts of swims, a storm could come in and add hours to your time. So, I mean, I guess there's risk, but um, it would, it would be an amazing achievement.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's pretty much exactly what happened and over in Hawaii we were we were going tracking quite well we were still swimming into a headwind but still doing not so bad but um we ended up swimming into an unforecasted storm which did add hours onto onto our swim over there it was it was pretty brutal <laughs> that's incredible
0: so how, that was the last one that you did the Hawaii swim the Molokai swim Hawaii
1: was yeah so i've i've done four of the ocean 7 uh, swims so far the the English Channel the North Channel Cook Strait and the Molokai Channel
0: and how have you how do they feel or how do they, how are they different I imagine the, the North Sea would be really cold the English Channel can't be warm Hawaii would be <laughs> different you obviously had a massive storm how how do they compare
1: uh, Well I mean obviously some are a bit more uh, tropical than others. <laughs> But uh, no, I think that's the the beautiful thing about the Ocean Seven. Uh, each of the channels are, are different. They they present their own unique challenges. So you know, take the English Channel. It's it's a hugely tidal swim. Uh, if you look at the the GPS tracker of yeah most of the people exactly. doing their crosses, it's crossings. It's always a big, almost always a big S bend. Uh, so that's a real big. Um, Challenge in, in that one. The obviously over in Ireland to Scotland, the temperature drops. It's you know pretty hard not to be an icicle out there. Yeah. It's freezing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that one uh, that one I really I really struggled with, and um, the, the cold got like it just. I felt like my body was shutting down, and it got to a stage where. I was just thinking to myself, if I can hang on for another 10 minutes, I think I'll be doing good here. And that was at the three hour mark. It was, it was really quite tough and demanding and I I struggled with the cold, but uh, yeah, very fortunately with the help of the team and, and some changes up to our nutrition, we, we managed to keep going. Right. Uh, is is another one that's, um, I suppose the weather's quite, yeah. plays a big part. Anyone anyone from New Zealand listening will know that Wellington's windy Wellington. Yeah, yeah. Hawaii, you know, given where it is in the in the Pacific Ocean, you know, there's there's not really any huge land masses to kind of protect those islands. So you've got these huge rolling swells from the Pacific Ocean just kind of um, you know, powering through that channel and, and you really are swimming in in open water out there. It's it's my own experience it was it was brutal it was like a washing machine
0: (laughs) i i i saw your strava map of that it looked remarkably straight except for one little bit in the middle which i imagine was maybe when the (laughs) stormy yeah it's
1: it's interesting the strava map actually makes it look okay and it's, it's kind of drawing up here but if you were to zoom in it would look a bit more like uh, our friend Tim Garrett's swim, where it's spaghetti lines and, right, and going okay, back yeah. and We've got, I think similar head-on currents, and we're just getting pushed around, pushed off course, and and there was a lot of battling for for many many hours because of those currents. It was, it was really tough to to get through. That's amazing, and.
0: It, it's quite phenomenal. It, you've got a very accomplished pool swimming career and now you're out battling these sorts of elements. I mean, that must have been a big change. Even just sighting, it's very different, you know, you're used to following a black line.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's quite a change. I mean, obviously you've got all these uh, conditions and, and factors that can influence your swim. I think one of the big... Big challenges from making that transition from uh, let's call it a traditional swimming or traditional racing uh, to what what we're doing here um, with traditional racing. You know, you you kind of know the day that you're going to be swimming almost right down to the minute. You know, you you know your heat. You know what event you're in. What what the timeline is. Whereas with these swims. You know, you, you turn up to your location. You, you might be given an allocated window of, of seven days and you don't necessarily know when you're going to go. You know, you have to wait for the wind to be right, the, the tides, the currents, all these different things. And so that's a, that's a really challenging aspect of, of this sport. All that uncertainty, the unknowing of, of when you're going to start, and and you know it, it happened to me over in new zealand i arrived there at the start of february and had to wait for a month and and wow. during that time even during that time there were a lot of false starts you know or false um not false dawns but the organizers would would message me and like oh we, we think we're on in three days just 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 sit tight and so I'm i'm sort of mentally myself up thinking right I've got this marathon swim that I need to do in three days right I better get mentally prepared and then you know a day later on oh, no, the weather's 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 changed wow yeah we'll, we'll figure it out another time and so you, it's this emotional roller coaster that you're on and it's hard you you need to be ready but also prepared and, and not get too excited because there's a chance that you might not be swimming as well so yeah it's, it's this fine balance
0: yeah and do you lose i mean as a pool swimmer i imagine you were you were tapered right to that moment you dived in the dived in the pool how does it go if you're waiting a month to swim
1: yeah it's, it is it is it's tricky i mean I, I was over there you're not in a familiar environment um you know i, I didn't have uh sort of my my home pool or anything to train at, my my home program. So you're kind of just in this state of of maintenance and, and trying not to lose any form or fitness. And that's I, I think that's fine for for a certain period of time. But when you pass, say, for example, a month, um, it is, it is hard and, and you can expect a little bit of, of regression there. Not just physically, but I think mentally as well. It's it's hard to kind of stay in that zone. And when I did actually get the call up, it it kind of almost didn't really feel real. Like I I kind of forgot why I was why I was there. You know, yeah, I wasn't yeah. there to do this this uh, channel channel swim from the South Island to the North Island. It, it felt more like I was just on holiday. And <laughs> I had to get my mind snapped back into 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 race mode. Yeah, it, was, yeah. it was tough.
0: Must it must it must add up? Must cost a little bit with with this sort of delays and everything.
1: It it certainly does. I mean, fortunately in in New Zealand, um, it, I met some really lovely local swimmers there, and, and they just said, look, whatever happens, if you get stuck, you know, we we've got a spare room, and it it, it was actually just such a such a great example of, of the community that we have here in this sport and how in- incredible it is that these local swimmers were willing to open their home to someone that they'd you know only known for a week or two and and invite them in it was it was just amazing um but yeah coming coming back to your point it's it certainly hasn't been uh, the cheapest of journeys so far <laughs> and uh for anyone that has done Rotten Est or any of these marathon swims in Australia, you know, I'm sure you can appreciate how hard it is to organise one of those swims. Have a think about when you're trying to do that, and you know, in, in countries on the other side yeah, of the planet world, yeah, and doing seven of them within the space of a year, it's, it really has been very logistically challenging yeah uh, to, to organize all these swims oh, it really adds
0: to the the magic of the whole thing really how are you feeling now after hawaii like a physically tired i think you mentioned before are you mentally tired how does it feel getting up at whatever am you get up to go swimming <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah it's it's been it's been interesting i over in hawaii obviously that that's when um I wouldn't say went to plan, but, you know, I, I was kind of thinking around the 12 hour mark, maybe if possible under the 10 hour mark, and it took us 16 hours, you know, I didn't even know, I struggled to stay awake for eight hours during my job, Never mind 16 hours of swimming. So it's, it was, it was, it was unexpected, but it was also this incredible learning experience. You know, we had all these challenges. Things weren't going to plan, uh, and there was all these unfor- uh, unforeseen sort of adversities. But getting through it was this just the most amazing thing. And you know, it was it was a really emotional journey. So, in addition to being you know absolutely physically battered out there, mentally, I, I had to really go to some some you know deep places to to pull through in that one and it was it, it I've certainly felt it over these last couple of weeks I've you know physically I think I'm I'm more or less back on track but mentally I'm still pretty smashed and beat up from that last one it's um it is it's interesting and I think for me that's going to be the important thing for staying on track in in this challenge and trying to do it in a year because Physically, I think I'm I'm up to the task. I think it's going to be this mental, mental aspect that I need to, you know, I can't get complacent. I've I've got to make sure that I'm I'm taking the time to to rest, recover, and and properly recharge before getting back on the horse and, and taking on the next one.
0: No, can you remember what what happened at hour ten? Is that or or are there big breaks how, how, how do you uh, that?
1: it would probably yeah hour 10 so it would have been early in the morning maybe around 4 a.m i'd been pretty relentlessly sick seasick for the past oh, right <laughs> oh, eight hours i mean it, it was it just it felt bad out there it felt kind of like there was a lot of sloshing, like being in a washing machine and and big swells. And I think swimming at nighttime can be quite disorientating as well. Um, And it was really interesting because I don't usually get seasick out in the water. I I can get seasick if I'm on a boat, but usually I'm fine in the water. So that was something that was quite new to me, quite a new challenge. And, you know, usually in these swims, I like to kind of zone out find my rhythm and, and, and get in the zone and, and just kind of go into automatic pilot. But I, I couldn't do that because I felt quite sick, <laughs>
0: like throwing up. And,
1: and that's yeah, it. there was, there was a lot of stuff coming up. I felt dizzy, nauseous. Um, and even though we had this head on current, we were still on track for making some quite a decent crossing and uh, nonetheless. But around the 10-hour mark, uh, I think we might have been less than 10 kilometers offshore off from the finish. And this unforecasted storm started coming through. The winds started to pick up. They'd been quite calm through the night, but the winds started to pick up. And if you see any of the footage, you'll hear it. Uh, they, they were above sort of 25 knot winds. They were really quite bad. And so we were kind of navigating this and, and our track had gone north. We'd been fighting into the current head-on for, for most of the swim. And and the skipper, Mike Twig-Smith, he just said, right, or he just made the call that we should go north and see see if that helps. And it did. It provided a bit of relief. And we were doing quite well we're heading for this um, this finishing spot called Allen Davies Beach, which was to the north. So we were kind of on track for that. But then the currents almost did a 180 degree switch and they started coming from the north. And so the currents were coming from the north. The wind was coming from the south and creating this kind of tumultuous um, mix in the middle. And we were caught right in the middle of it, right in the thick of it. And it was, it was just horrendous. We were just getting thrown around. I felt like a rag doll in the washing machine out there. It was just horrible. And (laughs) the pace just got absolutely obliterated. You know, I was getting updates from my team on a little whiteboard, um, and every hour they were telling me the distance I'd covered of the previous hour. And my pace normally, in one of these swims i'd, I'd be holding maybe 4.5 to 5 over 5 k's an hour but my pace in this instance had dropped right down and we were only covering 1.5 k's an hour that's such a slog it was brutal it was brutal and at, at this point I, I realized you know let's say it was 10 k's to go that's something that might usually take me two hours to do. But in this instance, if things stay the way they are, this could be five hours, six hours. Uh, And that was tough. That was really tough, you know, just getting that news, seeing that on the board, it, it was, it was just like someone had just jabbed a knife into the side of my back, you know, it was horrible. It'll be it's a nice, nice
0: little reservoir though, next time you're stuck in something like that to go. I've done this before.
1: well and, and and that's the the beauty of adversity. you know, you go through those moments and they are absolutely torrid at the time. It's absolutely horrendous. But if you can find a way through, there's an experience that you'll always have for the rest of your life that you can draw on. and And like you say, if anything tough happens in the future, I can always look back to this and think, this is what happened in Hawaii. We somehow managed to find a way through. I can do what I'm doing right now. And and really utilize that and and turn that adversity into this valuable experience to to use moving forwards.
0: And so which one's next? You've got three to go.
1: Yeah, three to go. So... Um, the next swim is the Strait of Gibraltar, so swimming from Spain to Morocco, and uh, yeah, we, we leave for that in about three days. So three days, quite, so quite, quite a quick turnaround. Yeah,
0: <laughs> that one, I'm no expert, but I believe might be a well easier. Sounds <laughs> it sounds like a, <laughs> completely the wrong term, but uh, compared to Molokai, sounds like it, it might be a little less stressful.
1: I, I, yeah I, I think that's uh, I've always I've always thought it important to to not kind of underestimate these swims because I think as soon as you start doing that that's you're almost setting yourself up to, to to go in with your guard down um it is shorter in distance um and I think it can be current assisted at times um but you never know I mean each of these swims, they, they wouldn't be part of this challenge if they weren't tough in their own right and, and didn't present their own challenges. So I'm just going in with um an open mind and, and being as prepared as I can. And, you know, if we get a good, nice, candy day out there, great. If not, I'll I'll just tackle what whatever we're given and try to do the best that we can.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then after that, uh, Catalina?
1: Catalina after that. Uh, so that is planned for July, uh, and then it's quite a quick turnaround. And we, we fly out to Japan straight after that for
0: yeah. the Subaru straight. That would be amazing. I mean, I've heard stories about that. That's a, a pretty tough one as well.
1: I mean, they, they have, um, if you think of, of, of where it is, it's, it's the two main islands of, of Japan, Honshu and Hokkaido. And that's the only gap that separates, uh, I, I don't want to get this wrong, the Sea of Japan with the Pacific Ocean. So if you think of all the water that has to pass through this narrow channel, that's been kind of building up between these banks. um, Yeah, they, they get some really strong currents. I think it's called the Dragon Current or something like that um, over there. So... Yeah, that that will be another one to to contend with, but you know, we 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 just do what whatever we can with what whatever we're given.
0: So that's all. So that's all booked and ready to to go within the, you know, the usual vagaries of whether you can get out or not. But uh, it's all booked and ready. To yeah, go.
1: that that's it. So they're, they're booked, and you know, I I started this journey, and my first swim was the English Channel last August. So if all goes to plan we, we've got them booked get across there hopefully the weather plays ball and you know if if all things go to plan yeah we, we there might be this possibility to to complete the challenge complete the ocean 7 uh, challenge within a year which is something that no one has ever done, done.
0: i wonder what will be next
1: a bit of rest and party yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> <Celebrating. laughs> yeah it's 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 at the back of my mind I, I have i have thought of what to do afterwards but i think in the meantime this this challenge is really needs 100 percent of my focus and attention so i'm not getting too carried away about thinking about the future just yet but keeping my trying to keep my eye on the, on the ball right now
0: I love your company name, Swim Clan. It's got a good, good Scottish, got a nod to your heritage there.
1: Yeah, Swim Clan. So, Swim Clan was was something that we set up during COVID. Um, myself and a guy called Martin Smoothie was who was um, the guy that got me back into swimming during COVID, um, a, a good friend and, and lifelong mentor of mine. So, yeah, we set that up, and that's what that was. That platform we were using to try encourage adults into the sport of swimming and to pursue their goals
0: yep yep oh it's beautiful it's i love this story it's it's so good i'm really kind of excited to see what happens uh at the next one i'll be following it can you do live tracks is that is that something we can watch or you've got websites and things i can i can have a hunt around
1: yeah we um we're still kind of finding out the best way to to do it um most of the swims, you've got this live tracker, um, track.rs, I think it is, where it has the little red dot pinned on the map and gives you updates every 10 minutes or or however often it is. Uh, so I'll I'll make sure to to share that link on on the social media um, you know, the day before the swim. And then what has been happening? Um, obviously when you're attempting these crossings, you've got the support ball. The guys on the boat um, they've been sharing videos and and updates from there and and they're all getting uploaded onto onto the instagram and facebook and things like that so people can tune in and follow the journey and uh, what's another thing that's been really nice from that you know it's it's allowing people to see what goes on and, and the challenges faced during these swims it's not just you know the the end product where you see everyone smiling on the on the dock, and uh, you know I think it's it's good to see that kind of adversity as well, and a benefit for myself, I suppose, when I'm in the water, you know the guys are are holding up the whiteboard with messages from people that are sending them in from all around the world, and that's really refreshing and encouraging in those tough moments to see that. You know, you're not out there on your own and and people are showing support from all corners of the globe.
0: Do you take the same crew with you everywhere?
1: I I try to as much as I can. Um, You know, I think think you can't underestimate the importance of the support crew and and the people around you, you know, especially during those tougher moments and, and tougher times where, uh, you know you, you want to throw in the towel or, and stop or you get yourself into trouble like they're the people that are going to help you get through those moments and and provide that encouragement and, and react and they know you best as well and, and and can help you through those tough times. So yeah, for me, you know marathon swimming uh, it, the, the most important thing about it is that it's not a solo endeavor, it's a team sport. And having the, the right people on your support crews is, is the first thing uh, that you need to get right.
0: Yeah, yeah. Hey, getting back to Scotland when you're over in Europe.
1: Yeah, ab- absolutely. Uh, I think I think my mum would give me a bit of a hard time if I didn't go and see her <laughs> when I'm on that side <laughs> of the world. So. Uh, no, I, I'd love to get back and, and spend as much time as I can. Well, uh, the wildlife have been largely lucky on on most fronts. Um, people talk about the North Channel and the the, the ever dreaded lion's mane jellyfish. You know, they're, they're this really venomous um, variety that when you're stung, um, the, you know, the usual lacerations, but it, it creates this burning sensation. And I did, I I copped a couple of them, but I think I got quite. Um, got away with it largely scot-free so um, yeah that was that was fortunate but the one I was probably or I suppose the two I was probably most worried about was um, the Cook Strait in New Zealand uh, and Hawaii so over in New Zealand uh, we actually set off uh, for our swim just before midnight uh, that was a bit of an unorthodox thing, the, the, most of the previous swims have always been set off at 8am and are and swum through the hours of daylight, so this was something different, and we were also swimming on a spring tide, so or for anyone that doesn't know out there, generally speaking there's two types of tides, you've got the neap tides, and the spring tides, the neap tides, are tending are are typically a bit weaker and and have less water moving through a particular channel at that time. So it's it's quite easier to navigate. Whereas the spring tides, the opposite, and there's more more tidal movement and currents. And again, that was something that hadn't really been attempted all that much before in the uh, in the Cook Strait. So swimming at night swimming during a spring tide and a possibility that there might be sharks out there so from a mental perspective that was a really tough swim and that was a tough tough one before it even started you know you had these things or i had these things playing at the back of my mind i had a few people saying that it was impossible to attempt it on a spring tide as well. And uh, I've been sitting around in, in Wellington for all, almost a month at this point in time. So the preparation was quite tough, uh, but I ended up getting out there. We, we got off to a very good start and... Yeah, I, you know, I, it was it was pitch black, but it was it was actually quite surreal swimming out there. And we had this full moon uh, and stars in the skies. And I remember swimming along and just just thinking to myself, I, I don't really care how this goes, because this is this is something else, you know, I was just taking in that moment and, and realizing just how fortunate and lucky we are to, to be able to experience these kind of things. Um, it was it was it was truly special, and and you know thankfully enough we managed to get across safely, managed to avoid any sharks, uh, and and came away with with a new world record. So it was it was it was just this incredible swimming and in this incredible time down uh, in New Zealand.
0: I wonder, I wonder, will that set a precedent now of swimming in spring tides or, or swimming at night time there, it's set the world record. Might, maybe others will try to copy it.
1: Oh, uh, it'll be interesting to see. I think next season will, will we'll kind of, uh, determine that whether people will, will follow suit or, or stick to the traditional path. Um, in terms of sea life in Hawaii. Uh, I don't know if you've you've come across them or, or seen it before mark but there's um there's a type of shark out there called the cookie cutter shark right have you have that you come across so. it or the, the term? so this is the this is the one that they're very nervous about over in the Molokai Channel and it's essentially it's a it's a shark that's maybe the size of someone's forearm so imagine they are <laughs> they're probably, yeah, they, they're probably, you know, that kind of big as well, uh, around with the bottom. So size of someone's hand is is their head. And what they do, they've got some really razor sharp teeth, but they only have teeth, I think, on the bottom of their mouth. So what they do is they come up from the depths and they latch onto you. So they 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 take a bite once they've got a grip they start to oh, turn around yeah. and 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 they take a chunk out of you like a cookie cutter like a, like a cookie cutter <laughs> yeah
0: so
1: <laughs> just before the before i traveled out there one, one of the locals sent me some pictures
0: of, <laughs> oh, of some yeah. swimmers
1: uh, <laughs> yeah. some swimmers that had been attacked by these cookie cutters when they were t- attempting the, the molokai channel and That was, um, unfortunately, you know, an an image that I couldn't get out of my head. But (laughs) luckily, out there in the channel, I I didn't encounter any cookie cutters. But um, what I did encounter um, when it did get dark was uh, was dolphins.
0: Oh, lovely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, you know, how it works in that swim, you, you swim with the kayaker and the boat, is often you know a couple of hundred meters away because the strength of the currents and swell they they don't like to position the boat too close to the swimmer in case it gets like swept uh, into them so i was swimming along and the the sun was going down it was dark and i heard it before i could see it Uh, I, i just heard these these dolphins and the the sort of screeching sound and all of a sudden they were kind of diving underneath and, and playing about and, and reaching and on their backs and yeah again like like new zealand it was just one of these moments where well uh, initially i was i was cracking myself but <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> after i after i recognized that it was dolphins you know it, it it did it settled down and it was it was it was just really special to to see that and uh to experience something like that you know that's something that no a that lot doesn't of people, happen yeah yeah a lot of people would pay for something like that you know absolutely
0: was that near the end of the swim after all the horrors of the of the middle
1: it was relatively close to the start okay uh, so it was just after the sun had gone down um so i can still see them i'd see these big gray shapes and, and hear the <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, they, they followed me for a good sort of 10 minutes. Uh, you know, they were probably thinking, what's this guy doing yeah. <laughs> out here at this time? Uh, this guy's crazy. Um, and then they disappeared off and, and, and returned a sort of 40 minutes later. It was, it was quite... Oh, wow. It, it, was, it almost felt like they were checking in. Yeah. This guy's still here, still okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you ever
0: see any shocks at in Rottnest, because i know that the, the swim there the other year was was caught was cut cut short because of uh, shark signing
1: not in Rottnest, thankfully um yes yeah, it's, it's one of those things i mean you, you kind of know obviously you're in their environment so you know that there's a possibility of it um i never funnily enough i never get too nervous with Rottnest. um or haven't in the past. You know, I've, I've done it now twice as a solo and maybe three or four times in a team. And it doesn't really bother me because there's so many boats out there at that time. And I think, you know, the all the propellers, all the metal, all the noise is probably something that's going to, you know, push them away and... and um, distract them more. You know, yeah. I I genuinely, generally feel quite safe. And if something were to happen, you know, the boat's right there, and you, you just climb out. The opposite of that was was in Hawaii. So after the dolphins disappeared, a bit of time passed, and I think it would have been about eleven p.m. at night. I saw this gray object floating underneath and I was waiting I was thinking right did I just see that I was waiting and I was waiting I was waiting for these dolphin screeches but they weren't there uh, my heart sunk and I was like oh my god I think that's a shark I think that's a shark so I'm swimming along and I'm just thinking to myself like what I do what I do and you know it was the hardest thing, you know, to to fight your instincts and and basically crap yourself there in that moment because what could I have done? You know, I, I was swimming along. I was in the middle of this um this marathon uh, this this channel swim. I've got a kayak beside me, but the boat is you know setting a 200 meters away, so. It's not like I can swim over to the boat and, and climb out, you know. They're always moving. They can't hear me. The kayaker's there. I, I can't exactly push him off and <laughs> climb on the kayak. So so I did. I, I just had to stay calm uh, and, and try not to, to worry because, you know, animals, a lot of them have that sort of additional sense, and they probably can sense fear or heart rate rising and, and panicness, So I, I just ended up thinking right, stay calm, kayak's got the sharp shields, I'm gonna go hug the kayak and just like swim up to it as close as I can. And so that's what I did and uh, you know it had these big two rods floating underneath and I was really right in uh, next to the kayak and the kayaker I never said anything to him, but I think he thought I was wanting to push across, so he started put, like paddling off to the left. Yeah, and I'm like, I no, like, no, 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 no. <laughs> wait, wait, you know? <laughs> stay with me. <laughs> wow. Well, you know, thankfully, thankfully, it kind of disappeared off, and maybe it was. It was just curious to see what what this um, this person is, and when he realised it wasn't a seal, the, the spoon yeah. off.
0: Well, I suppose it probably was a shark. You saw something and that's probably what it was. That's pretty scary.
1: (laughs) to live to tell the tale. (laughs) You live to tell the tale.
0: So, you know, all's a world that ends well. That's awesome. (laughs) Thank you so much to Andy Donaldson for taking such a long time to talk about his Ocean Sevens Challenge and congrats on the amazing achievements so far you can follow Andy's journey on his Facebook and Instagram page, and you'll also be able to sponsor him from there. I've linked to those websites at www.thepodpodcast.net. That's www.thepodpodcast.net. Thank you very much for listening in. I'll catch you next time on The Pod.